Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to... The, the, this is like the third episode, or maybe fourth episode, of what we're going to now call Dove Discusses With, right? So this, this, that, that was, I think, the official name that somebody told me that it was going to be. So there it is. Dove Discusses The Azuri With, and my guest this week is Tom Colomossi, who is a, a journalist from the London Evening Standard, and a little bit Italian, like myself as well. So obviously we're going to talk everything about uh, the Azuri and the national team and what's what. As what had gone on basically so Tom welcome to the rebranded Dove Discusses it's great to be back great to be back Dove and looking forward to pouring our hearts out to each other about the Azuri I expect to be probably thoroughly depressed by the end of the um, <laughs> by the end of the chat but hopefully the listeners won't be they won't be well this could have came about through a WhatsApp conversation that me and Tom were having after the uh, the, the, the recent couple of games which were depressing to say the very very least Um but before we kind of get into the the recent games, I want to just I want to get your thoughts on the the World Cup qualification campaign in general because Italy obviously in a group with Spain, Italy like Spain are a better team than Italy on paper like individually. The, the players are all Champions League players. They're, it's almost kind of like night and day the quality between the two sides when you look at it on paper. So for Italy to expect to win the group, I think is maybe a bit difficult especially after the Bernabeu match, but second in the group is more or less what you would have expected Italy to get when the draw was made. Absolutely. And I think head-to-head against Spain, they've always they've often done reasonably well. I mean, the 4-0 defeat in the Euro 2012 final was a bit of an exception to that, but I think there were extenuating circumstances. You know, the, the players were tired after the semi-final. Tactics were a bit strange from Prandelli. Um, but you look at the... The, quarter, the second round game in Euro 2016, they, they were much the better side, deserved to win that game. Italy won 1-1 in Turin. So, although they weren't favourites going to the Bernabeu, I think we could have expected them to compete, couldn't we? Um, and just to the extent to which they were played off the park was worrying. And then that seems to have informed the games against Macedonia and Albania in terms of a loss of confidence, a loss of certainty in, in their own qualities from the players, really, because the qualification campaign up to then had been had been reasonable, hadn't it? As, as you say, um, they might have struggled to top the group ahead of Spain, but most of their games they'd won. There'd been some you know, flashes of flashes of promise from some players integrating Bellotti into the side um, but the last two games yeah just worrying tactically in terms of performance um, in terms of the players available I think yeah I mean even the first game against Spain and Turin um, 
like that, that was one where it was like, it was like right, some new new coaches and things like that it could be difficult. But Ventura actually, I thought, did really well in that game, and Italy dominated mm. for the most for the majority of it, as, like, as far as I can remember. My memory is hazy, but I was I was. They had some chances, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, and you kind of thought after that game, like, wait a minute, Ventura's on to something here. He's actually he's, yeah. he's came up against Spain and he's done really well, and. I thought that from I thought they did a good job, and from there I thought, right, this guy could could do a job here. They can actually kind of take this Azzurri team forward. Obviously, it's after recent events, not quite kind of turned out that way. But I mean, even like, what did you think when Ventura took over? Did you think that was a good appointment or kind of? Uh, I think I'm slightly, slightly fearful just because. Um, he finished. I think we were we were talking yesterday. What's that? Weren't we? Where I wondered how much respect he might command from the senior figures in the team. Clearly, they all said the right things when he was appointed. But a lot of them were voted on to. If you think of the Juventus block at the back, um, real Conte foot soldiers, really. And and you made the point that Ventura's, you know, top achievement was finishing eighth with Torino. Um, I just wondered if he'd be able to sort of command their respect in the toughest moments. And obviously, we're not at the heart of the dressing room but reading the stories that came out after the um, after the Macedonia game about players wanting to switch back to 3-5-2 that they had with Conte of course it's always healthy for players to have opinions and have discussions but when they're not convinced by the tactical system that the manager wants you've got a problem there I think um, because these are experienced guys aren't they as well they're not just kind of petulant youngsters if they can see that it's not really working then when they go out on the pitch I don't know what you think, but there just might be something there where if you're not quite convinced of something, it's probably difficult to produce your best as against when you believe entirely in, in what you're being asked to do, which clearly in the European Championships did with Conte, didn't they? Even though the squad on paper wasn't fantastic. But, it, you know, they beat Belgium, they beat Spain and lost to Germany. It was only such a freakish way that the draw went where you had all the strong sides in one half of it. I think mm-hmm. if it had been more of a balanced draw, they could have easily got to the semis or the final. Mm-hmm. I think as well, like like you mentioned there, that that the meeting, the 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 infamous meeting that they had, where they said, oh, I think after it came out that that the the the, the, the senatori, as they called them, had had this mm-hmm. little powwow. It was all sanctioned by the management, which I don't believe mm-hmm. for one second. <laughs> they say, oh yeah, that's fine, go and have a chat about how the tactics are rubbish. No, it's a bit like the prime minister here saying, oh, it's absolutely you know, absolutely fine for Boris Johnson to have his strong opinions on how should go forward as we go towards Brexit you know it showed that the power maybe wasn't in, entirely in the hands of the coach and again that's something that you slightly worry about I mean if we look back it has worked before things like that if you look back as far as I mean you won't remember this dog but in the 1990 in the 1990 World Cup remember England's fortunes changed because a group of the senior players went to Bobby Robson and said, look, I think we should adopt a sweeper system, which is what a lot of the sides were playing at the time. And, and they played it against Holland in the second game. And, and really the tournament turned around from there for them. So it can work, but it just raises a few doubts in your mind, doesn't it? That, crikey, these guys have won X many caps between them. They've won, goodness knows how many league titles, played at the highest level for so long. If they're not convinced about what's going on, there's probably a good reason for that. One of the reasons that could, that could be and is that Ventura is I, I think he's a good coach and I still think he's a good coach but he's a coach that mm. needs to work with players day to day he's a club coach similar to the way that Conte was, is a club coach like to get mm. his ideas across to get his personality across he needs to be with these guys five days, six days a week 
Conte yeah. managed to forge it at the Euros, didn't he? he? Managed to forge that club spirit. So, but do you think if they did qualify for the World Cup, Ventura had managed to do that? Possibly. I think it comes it comes down to time as well, because Conte spent a lot of his tenure in charge fighting with the clubs to get the players released so that he could have as much time as possible. And obviously, mm. Conte is a bit more of a, I would say, an authoritative figure. In, yeah. in the world of Italian football than Ventura is so I think if Ventura wanted or tried to get that same level of cooperation with the clubs I don't think he would get it because I don't think he has that level of um, that weight behind him yeah. Conte does no, Conte I'd agree with you there yeah um, which I think would be obviously a problem for him <laughs> given that this, the, the way he wants to coach the team is very different um, and this this guy, this comes up to the kind of to something I also wanted to kind of get your thoughts on in kind of historically in Italian national team coaches they've always been guys that have kind of came through the, the, the federale system so the system of yeah. the national team like uh, Be- Beerzov for example was one won the World Cup yeah Vicini Ce- yeah Cesare Maldini yeah. was another one as well yeah. like didn't do anything at club level at all um, and he got to tell you what was, was it what did he get up to? Did he get to 98 World Cup, they got to the quarterfinals, yeah. yeah. I think Dino's off as well as another one, didn't really do too much club coaching. Yeah, he'd done a bit at Lazio um, when Gascoigne was there, actually, but yeah. certainly not a kind of... I think he was, in fact, out of work when he got mm-hmm. the Italy job. Yeah. Um, I think... Um, would you think that they'd be better off going back to that? Because, of course, the, the last few... They had a super coach, didn't they, in Marcello Lippi, two spells, then mm-hmm. Roberto Donadoni was somebody that... Um, the Giancarlo Abete, the the president at the time, just had a hunch about, and then you've had Prandelli, who was a, a smart choice, I think, wasn't he mm, at, yeah. at the time? Um, Conte was a bit of an accident, wasn't it? Because he'd, he'd resigned from Juventus. <laughs> well, he'd resigned from Juventus. Prandelli had resigned after the World Cup. Suddenly, he was available, and both parties thought, "Oh, cracky, let's make this happen." Yeah. Um, and then Puma and then came along with all their money. <laughs> Puma, exactly. Like, exactly. The right. money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Ventura was again really a bit of a hunch on the part of um, Giancarlo Tavecchio, wasn't he? He was something that the president pushed for him very strongly. But I think it it opens up a, another strand to the debate about the prestige of the Itali- the international manager's job has declined. Really, I think there's there's a few reasons for that. First is the salary. You know, you can get far far higher salaries now at the top clubs, can't you, than than in the top international jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just, I don't know, I have really mixed feelings about this. I don't know if it's the same with you in Italy, Dov, but whenever International Week comes around here, everybody moans and groans, oh, International Week is so dull, crikey, can't we get back to the Premier League? It's so boring, why do we bother with it? And I think people say, oh, have we fallen out of love with international football? I think in England, people have convinced themselves that they've fallen out of love with international football. But then those same people still moan when we get to the tournament and England are useless. Mm. Um, And I think, I don't know, is it similar in Italy? Because I actually think some of this subconsciously gets through to the players that when they turn out for England, they think, oh, nobody's interested in this. Everyone wants to get back to the Premier League. There's a sort of air of negativity around it. And even from afar, I get that impression with Italy, but you'd be much more qualified to answer that. I see. It's not really kind of, the moaning doesn't happen as much from what I can see among mm. the fans or the press as well it seems to be that they, they kind of do say right now it's time to turn the focus to the national team that could yeah. be that could be more that the, the Italian national team has won a lot more than say England for well, example exactly. so, so yeah. the, the expectation yeah. of preparation to realistically win a tournament whereas maybe oh, England 
don't really win very much. Yeah, I think that, yeah, much. Heading, so there's that kind of like they've almost. started to learn their lesson a bit more now, haven't they? Through yeah. some disappointing performances. But I can see. I, I, the, the only thing I would say is they're maybe more apathetical rather than yeah. going in that it's all Serie A's not on oh my god it's terrible it's more kind of like oh the national team's on alright okay and that's yeah. it like even I think I was, I was in the Reggio Emilia for the game against Israel and yeah. the, the stadium which doesn't hold very many people wasn't full and you can imagine if the, the national team are coming to a, a tiny this, like, this, Reggio Emilia is tiny you'd think yeah. that the whole town would be out to see the like, Buffon and Chiellini and Borucci and yeah. all these kind of top top players but just, it wasn't, the interest wasn't there um, and I think yeah. that could be the, the opposition as well I mean Italy against Israel was a rubbish game which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about in a sec but that doesn't really inspire legions of Azzurri fans to come out whereas I think once you get to final tournaments it's like right okay let's go for it yeah I think the apathy is a good point to make as well um, it'd be interesting to see what the ticket prices were for a game like that in Reggio Emilia I mean you always hope that when Federation take a team around the country. They drop the ticket prices to try and to try and fill the stadium. About twenty euros, and women oh, get, and women get yeah. a reduction as well because Italy's sexist, and we love that. Well, quite yeah. <laughs> I remember that even when I there, yeah, like I'd go to a game with my girlfriend. Hang on, how, how come you're paying half fine play? I've done I've done exactly the same. Like hold on, yeah, that's, we'll go to the game. Right? Okay, we do out, and he's like, hold on a minute, how come you're paying half price? That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but yeah, they don't make them overly expensive. Like they're very much affordable. But I just think it's when they're playing the, the kind of lower uh, European teams, lower echelon European teams. The it's just apathy sets in. It's like, well, I can yeah. just got the bar. I think you can see as well. Like you obviously can read a range of the papers being over there, but mostly in London, you get to pick up that day's Gazette dello Sport and when it's around international week, I'll certainly always make a point of looking at the front pages. It's quite frequent, I'd say, during the qualifiers that Italy won't be the lead on the front page of Gazetta. It might still be something to do with Juventus or one of the Milan clubs and then Italy will be off the side, you know, maybe in a comment piece, whereas I certainly would have thought in years gone by, the team the likely team lineup for that night would have been the lead, you know, rather than something off to the side. Um, and certainly when you go on the Gazetta website, sometimes you even have to scroll a long way down to find out about the game 24 hours from it. And I know, obviously, as we, you know, we've, talk, we've talked about a lot, that these things are determined by traffic, aren't they? And who reads mm. what when. Yeah. Um, but still, a bit of the prestige perhaps seems to have been lost certainly outside tournaments um, whether that's the same in all countries I'm not too sure but um, certainly living in England I notice it a lot and, and you know maybe in Italy outside tournaments it's the case too yeah well I think it's as well Italy, even in quali- I think it's, it's, a, 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 it's literally that the qualification matches because Italy pretty much no yeah. guaranteed qualification fingers crossed for final tournaments yeah. every, like more or less every time and and they've always performed badly in qualification tournaments I mean even yeah, if you look we back should remember that like, shouldn't we it's worth remembering yeah, it was, even with like, like Maldini and Caravaro and Nesta Italy have always been terrible in qualification games in terms of performance yeah. they'll get a result but they'll be rubbish and that's just that, as far as I can remember I can't remember a like a, a qualification no. match where you thought wow this team is really they're on it this is amazing but then to get to the final tournament no, and get to the latter stages almost every time. Yeah, you, you sort of... I do worry a bit, though, about the way that the, the players are sort of 
treated perhaps or um, the expectations that, that we have of them and you, you look at a case of I mean Simone Simone Verdi made his first start didn't he in the game mm. against Macedonia he, he's clearly a player I think with, with something about him because he like a lot of youngsters was told he was going to be the next big thing before he'd really done anything when he was at Milan and, and when you're a young kid that's bound to get inside your head isn't it you're bound to think mm. yeah you know I'm special and and then when you don't make it and you go on various loans you know from kind of Torino he was, he was in the A bar in Spain wasn't he mm. um, Empoli as well without really making an impact you've got to have quite some strength of character to make it back he's 24 years old now isn't he um, make it back to a decent level in Serie A and certainly then get as far as the national team and, and okay he, he didn't play particularly well against Macedonia but then he wasn't even he wasn't even part of the as a, wasn't even on the substitutes bench was he for the next game mm-hmm. um, and I do wonder a bit about you don't want to break a player like that he's clearly kind of been through the mill a bit in his career but I think he's, he's somebody to be somebody to be cherished he's something a bit different and I just hope that they persevere with him for the, the games coming up because I think he's definitely got something to offer the team yeah possibly or he could end up on the scrap people another one of those kind of um, you hope not though don't you we'll yeah. give him a game who's rubbish for 60 minutes right yeah. that, that's his international career done because it can often be somebody's career done really that when I think for players still like that maybe playing for Italy becomes routine if you're Buffon or Bonucci but for somebody like Verdi it'd be a huge deal wouldn't it especially the ups and downs he's had in his first cap as well yeah, yeah you, you first start um you finally make it back there and then you have a poor 60 minutes in a qualifier and, and people decide that you can't do it anymore so I hope that that's not the case with him but I do think there's certain players that risk becoming lost to Italy um, and it's a great shame I think of somebody like Domenico Berardi clearly a really talented player that comes with caveats doesn't he of course his physical record's not that great he's been injured at different times you know a few too many red cards a bit of an attitude problem that, that you read about and hear about um, but fundamentally this is a guy who scored a hat-trick against a decent Milan side at the age of 19 mm. did the same again the following season he'd been in one Italy squad I think wasn't he with Conte um, pulled out with an injury Conte wasn't too happy about it didn't get picked again in that cycle but you have to think there's there's something um, somebody like that should be able to do something well, they used for the, the national team. You've got to make use of this guy. Yeah, I mean, they used the excuse for him, oh, he's in the under-21 cycle initially. Yeah. But obviously that cycle kind of culminated in the under-21 tournament. Yeah, and it's a completely daft, it's a daft so, thing to say that, yeah. isn't it? I mean, if you, had, if you had Diego Maradona at 19, and you say, oh, sorry, he's in the under-21 cycle, we're not picking him. You know, it's a... It's a, it's a, it's a you, know, you know, though, it's a silly excuse, isn't it? Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. I've read quite a few bits and bobs this week about certain players not being able to perform in the national side as they do for their clubs um, and you, you're often talking about flair players aren't you talking about an Insigne a Verdi in, in the case we have and Bernardeschi apart from that he was impressive in that friendly game they played against Spain before the Euros he came on a sub he looked quite bright but hasn't done much for Italy since and these aren't as good as the top Spanish players Verratti would be another player wouldn't he performs superbly for Paris Saint-Germain rarely reaches that level for Italy but they need to be you need a coach who can get the most out of these players I think because I think they're talented aren't they and you don't want them 
going onto the pitch for Italy and not being able to express themselves, not producing what they do for their clubs. You need to find a way to make that happen. And I'm just wondering whether Ventura is the man to do that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Well, well let's look and let's look at the, the kind of mm-hmm. recent games then, um, because I think that this this crisis or mini crisis or whatever you want to call it began at the mm-hmm. Bernabeu because yeah. kind of well, I was lucky enough to be there, which is I always like to kind of drop that in over there. Um, if, uh, <laughs> unlucky uh, enough, unlucky, given yeah, your allegiance, it was terrible, honestly. <laughs> but then yeah. when the, when the, the formation got announced. And, you're, and it was like, you're looking at the players and you're thinking, wait a minute, Ventura's played four guys up front in the Bernabeu against Spain. It was like, this is either complete and utter genius or mad and stupid. It turned out to be the latter because Spain yeah. completely steamrollered them. Um, but that's where I think you know, this crisis started. With that game, the performance was so right. poor. And since then, mm. against Israel, they were rubbish, even though they won. And then obviously the two games there, Macedonia and Albania, where they struggled to, to do anything in either game. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And perhaps Ventura in that Spain game was going, knowing that they needed to win it realistically to win the group. He thought, well, I better go for the death or glory option here. <laughs> and, and gamble. But there's really no, what you're doing when you make a plan like that as I think that you disregard what you're talking about which is the psychological effect on the players after you take a hammering and let's say they've gone to the Bernabeu with a relatively conservative formation maybe played well in a narrow defeat or, or mm. got a draw their position in the group wouldn't really have been any more any different because Spain would still have been in charge but you'd emerge from that game wouldn't you confident thinking yeah historically Italy have always been able to go toe to toe with the best sides and, and we've done that today mm. Of course, what happened was they looked like a real second, third-rate team, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, completely outplayed by Spain. Isco was magnificent yeah. in that match. And that is bound to dent you when you go into your next games. One thing I will say, though, it's a real hobby horse of mine, how the seedings are worked out in the FIFA rankings, I cannot understand. Because Italy and Spain are in a group together, so... 2012, Italy got to the final of, of a major tournament. 2006, they won it. 2000, they got to the major final of a tournament. Wales, who got to the semi-finals of Euro 2016, but had not been in a major tournament since 1958, which is their only one, were somehow seeded. And of course, we've seen that that was false because they've not even made the playoffs. And I do think that regardless of Italy's poor performances, that does need to be looked at. You can't have these completely lopsided groups where, where in one group you got Spain and Italy, and in another you've got Serbia, the Republic of Ireland, and Wales fighting for qualification. I think you've got to get a bit more balance in, into those groups, and the, the ranking system has got to take into account history in some sort of way. Yeah, well, I think, I think maybe one way to get rid of it is do it in competitive matches. Because I think, yeah, like we I said, that even like cause Italy, like we say that there's an apathy for qualifiers. The the, yeah. the complete and our disregard for friendlies is clear yeah. to see. They just do not care. The players and they don't count, care. don't they? Now for the yeah. points, they count. And that's the thing. Like when you've got friendlies that a team, like players, fans to an extent as well, really could not care less about. Players get rested, don't they? Important yeah. they, they, get rested. Injuries always seem to come up around those times. Convenient injuries. Oh yeah, I've got a sore. Yeah. Oh, I need to rest for. And then they're playing at the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> play the weekend before yeah. and the weekend after. But that, that yeah. bit in between, there seems to be a problem. So yeah, yeah that that would be the easy way to do it: qualification, competitive games, so that. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, obviously, you know that the teams are playing for something and not just having a little kick about to get a few gate receipts in a stadium and stuff like yeah. that to get uh, the, the manager having a little bit of um, time with the players um, looking at the players then because we've mentioned a few and this is this is, this is again feeds in I think to the performance in general of the Azzurri uh, in recent times as well is that the quality of the players aren't good enough. I kind of mentioned at the start about like Spain having a team essentially full of Champions League players, yeah. whereas Italy don't. An example, actually, Morata and Bellotti are the, yeah. are the same age. Morata's played in two Champions League finals and won, uh, won one. Bellotti plays at Torino. Yes. And they both are playing for I, their countries, so... I think I think Bellotti's a good centre forward though, isn't he? Who oh, had yes. um, yeah. clubs certainly interested in him, big clubs. I don't think he was ever the top priority of any of them because of the size of the release clause. But he was on, you know, recruitment directors and everything make a list, and he was on he was on lists. Mm-hmm. Early Manchester United, I think, last summer, um, had they not been able to get Lukaku or, or Morata. But again. I think it feeds into something that, that I've been concerned about for quite a while, that it seems to be harder for um, a young Italian player to to make a breakthrough in his club team than it, it is for a player from abroad. Um, I think there's, there's many reasons for this, some of them legitimate, some, some perhaps a little bit more murky, um, but it seems absurd that um, a player like what did they call him Gabby Goal he called, <laughs> called himself didn't he um, yeah turn, turned up at Inter I mean he was making front pages um, as a Gazette obviously had a good scoring record in American football but there was probably nothing to recommend him so much beyond you know there would have been to recommend a Gianluca Caprari or something and of course he turned up struggled to acclimatise and now he's, they've marched him off and learned to Benfica haven't they mm-hmm. and um, I do worry when I look through certain Serie A squads about you've no problem ever with a high quality foreign players or, or foreign players who are there um, doing a job that's better than an Italian equivalent, you know, making a proper contribution. But there's, there's a lot of what I call Ruben Botta signings. Mm. Ruben Botta was an Argentinian midfielder who played for time for Inter, didn't he? he didn't he did. do much and went to your beloved Kiev. Exactly. If you can't make it at Kiev, well, the boy's got. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't do much there, and, and he was in his mid twenties when he joined. He didn't come from one of Argentina's most prestigious clubs, and and, and I. 
obviously I'm not talking about the Ruben Botter transfer in particular here. I'm just talking very generally because we might get into trouble. But often I do worry about the motivation behind certain transfers, about certain relationships between agents, recruitment directors, sporting mm-hmm. directors, why certain players arrive at certain clubs. And I think it, it keeps Italian youngsters back. Um, and then another issue we've we've talked about is what effect Juventus's transfer policy has on the on the Italian national team and you just look there's so many examples you know Simone Zaza Manolo Gabbiadini um Daniele Rugani players that they bought and then not seemingly knowing what to do with and, and Federico Bernardeschi would be the latest one wouldn't he they, they don't really need him he's not as good as their superstars um but they don't want anyone else to have him do they and the, the salary and offer the prestige of joining Juventus no player's going to turn that down but they end up sliding backwards don't they in their careers and uh, young Spinazzola the left back at Atalanta looks like a very good player promising one he was desperate to go wasn't he in the mm. summer yeah yeah um, and then but would he be playing there if he had done I doubt it so uh, you're much closer to it Dov but um is that something you have concerns about that the way that you've seemed to buy up all these young Italian players just because no one you know so no one else can have them because I can't remember one actually making it from you know a mid to upper ranking club since since Leonardo Bonucci went there from Bari yeah I mean like Rugani's probably the only one recently that, that's probably got a chance because because yeah. Bonucci left and he's um, been there a while hasn't he now? We, and they signed yeah, Benatia didn't they yeah they signed Benatia yeah. like, but even like last season Rugani barely yeah. got, like, didn't get a look in at all and I was like for yeah. me I thought right Bonucci's gone you get Rugani in there straight away and that seems yeah. to be what Allegri's done obviously yeah. a few times Benatia's played which obviously you have to do after spending 20 million euros on a yeah. central defender yeah. you're going to have to he's going to expect to see some game time Um but I think like Rugani also needs to step up a little bit as well because when I was like I was at the Genoa UV game and he got bullied so much off uh, I can't remember that I can't for the for the life of me forget the Genoa guy's name is a, a Bulgarian guy I think um, yes I know so he has all over the end mm. um, and he got like there's so many times this guy was just bullying him off the ball and like mm. being physically better than him and I think if Rugani had had maybe another season with Empoli where he's playing every week kind of building himself up a little bit in terms of form and phys- physicality because obviously it's, yeah. it's a bit different kind of working out in the gym than actually playing football twice a week um, I think that that would have done him more good and then he, and you- he could have come into UV um, but the guy's like I think Berardi, for example, he's another one. He's actually made, a, I would say, a, a better choice by not going to Juve or Juve not kind of um, activating the clause that they've got on him to bring yeah. him back. So he's got time to like get over injuries, play at Sassuolo and stuff like that. One I do like the look of, and he didn't make this game because of an injury, was is Lorenzo Pellegrini at Roma. I was always impressed by him at Sassuolo, but what he's been able to do is go there and, and play regularly and in some matches, Di Francesco, he has a, he starts he starts the roster, doesn't he? Every game he starts Nangalan, and then it's Pellegrini or Strootman, isn't it? Mm. Which a lot of young Italian players, when they've gone to the, the top club in the first season, they even haven't been given the chances. They haven't shown enough in training. They don't have the personality to make that immediate breakthrough. But but he's pretty close to being a regular there, and I think um, a lot of what we talked about today is quite disheartening probably for Azuri fans but I think he's one that they might be able to hang their hat on in the future you could see he's got and he's just got a little bit about him hasn't he he can what I always like about midfield players is when they can find 
pace quickly from a standing start. Mm. And the, the goal he set up for Dzeko at the San Siro, um, where I can't remember the first or second goal, but Dzeko received it was his back to goal from Pellegrini, but he just did a little burst past a couple of people in midfield, quick change of direction, a quick pass. Um, and there's not been enough midfielders like that in Italy over a number of years. I think there's too many who are prepared to sort of pass it sideways and backwards, keep their tactical discipline. Um, I think he might be one. I don't know. What's, are people quite excited about yeah, him in Italy? Yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, he's, he's, he's one and he's Kevin. He's, he, he looks like a Roma player. But in the mm. sense of, he looks like he's, he's, he's been able to kind of seamlessly almost... Well, he was one, wasn't he? And he gave him away yeah. for two years and brought him back. <laughs> but that's one thing, kind of, the, the kind of, that concerns me a little bit about... Um, this almost changing of the guard, if you like, because yeah. De Rossi, I, I love De Rossi. De Rossi's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got everything. And then obviously, hugely underrated outside yeah, Italy, I think. Definitely. And obviously, you've got Marchisio, who's a fantastic player as well. Yeah. But then, kind of, once you get like, like Verratti, so you've got kind of three kind of top, top, top class midfielders yeah. there. And once you kind of strip that layer away, and two of them, well, one's really old, one's a bit old and injury prone, and the other one's obviously young. But then after that, you're and injury prone, yeah, you're struggling a little bit. To, you're right to, to have um, like, when you're playing Gagliardini and Marco Parolo at that two-man midfield, you've got problems. I don't care yeah, what because neither of them are creators, are they? I mean, Gagliardini is somebody who's got some promise, I think, um, but not not yet ready to be the main man in, in midfield for the Italian national team. Mm-hmm. Parola, um, again, he's a, he's a handy player, isn't he? He's energetic, you know, covers a lot of ground. And, and But you'd, you'd want him as, as your kind of workhorse in a three, probably, rather than as somebody you're expecting to do your main creative jobs. And I think the, the lack of players behind the opposition was displayed by the fact they kept calling it Ricardo Montevo for a long time. I always thought Montalivo was a good player. I was never as down on him as a lot of Italian fans were. Um, but after he got a bad injury before the 2014 World Cup, he was clearly diminished when he came back. But they carried on picking him, didn't they? And that says more about what else is available than, than it does about him, I think. Um, so a few worries there. But yeah, there's, there's one or two to, to hang your hat on as we're talking about Lorenzo Pellegrini. I'm also a bit concerned with the, the mentality of of coaches perhaps in Italy um, in that when Alessandro Florenzi I, I love as a player again he's had a couple of bad injuries so you wonder how it's going to be for him mm. when he was in Zeman's team he was an attacking midfielder wasn't he a wide attacking midfielder he scored goals remember yeah. I think on his debut at San Siro Totti chipping a pass into the box and he ran through from midfield headed it in within two years he was a right back <laughs> um, and I can't I can't think of any other country where major country where that would happen and that would be okay it's it's, it's nonsense to me because the Italian fullback is a very different player from say a Brazilian fullback you know historically Brazil have always used fullbacks as their main attacking threat from wide you think of Cafu and Roberto Carlos Daniel Alves you know the list goes on of those sorts of players but I wouldn't see him move further forward because I think he's he's got a nose for goal and Italy don't have um, they haven't had the proper goal scorers for a long time, have they? So you need players to chip in from other areas. And De Rossi, again, has done that over a number of years. So, yeah, get, getting back up the pitch, he's playing it right back, it's completely ridiculous. Oh, yeah, I think you know, that, that was maybe more out of necessity rather than... It, it uh, was, but then he stayed there, didn't yeah. he? He ended up... Because he did quite well, because he's, he's a good player with a good attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, get get Alessandro Florenzi <laughs> back at the pitch. Ventura. <laughs> so so yeah. so let's kind of round it out then on getting back to Ventura because obviously the playoffs are coming up. Yeah. Um, there's still a lot of pressure on him, and obviously there's been talk about Antonio Conte coming back. Yeah, is that something? Can uh, obviously you're in London, so and it did come from the English press. Is that something that you you, you kind of take with a pinch of salt, or do you think it's a serious consideration? I wouldn't. I'd be surprised if Conte is still Chelsea manager at the end of this season. I think it was significant that he was given a new contract with the same duration this summer. So normally in football, when a player or a manager is given a new contract, gets a pay rise, but he gets more years on the contract. And Conte just got the pay rise. And that, to me, seemed a, a tacit acceptance of the fact that maybe a, a parting of the ways would be pretty normal, certainly at the end of next season, but possibly at the end of this. Um, but I, I expect him to see out the season with Chelsea. I don't think he'll go in mid-season at all. And therefore, could you really see him taking charge of Italy for a tournament, having been in charge of a club all season? I doubt mm. it. And from everything, from all the reasons that he gave when he left Italy in the first place, mainly it was his desire to be working day-to-day with top players, wasn't it? I don't think, Conte didn't strike me necessarily as someone who's motivated by money. He'll already be a very rich man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a couple of years coaching Italy wouldn't affect his life financially that much but again you're much more on the side of, on, on that side of it than I am but Mr Montella seems to be in a bit of trouble at Milan doesn't he and you could easily see Conte going in there couldn't you with the backing of the new owners um, next summer and trying to get them back to winning the title I, I, I don't know what you think but I'd see that as likelier than, than him taking over Italy yeah well it's, it's, it's kind of like it's a tough one because this again feeds into the is a prestigious job I mean like, yeah. you can't really see a one of the top Italian coaches maybe Ancelotti because he's said that it's something he wants to do so it'd be like you'd maybe get a qualification campaign in a tournament from him and that'd be it yes. but kind of other than that you're really struggling I don't think Allegri would take it he said he wants to wait um, Sarri's another one kind of top Italian coach I don't think he would touch it just now either and then, yeah. then, then you're looking at Montella, who's not really had the best time. Or yeah, his stars fallen a bit, hasn't it? Yeah. This year, certainly. So, or even that, I'm trying to think, even Simone and Zaghi, like Di Francesco won't take it. He's just got the Roma job. Spalletti's one, but again, just the Inter. So there's a lot of coaches there, but I don't yeah. think a lot of them would kind of leave what they're doing just now to do the early job. Whereas 15 years ago. 10 years ago maybe, well, maybe 15 actually 20 years ago uh, if Italy came calling you went <laughs> yeah in, in any major country that was the case wasn't it over here too you know you work towards the England manager's job as an English manager you know you would leave Manchester United to go not that anyone has in recent times but that level of club you know mm. you would leave them to go and become the England manager I think they Prandelli was in many ways the perfect Italy coach. I think they they played good football under him. Got to the final of, of Euro 2012. He managed to get a tune out of Mario Balotelli, which not many coaches have, have achieved that. Um, and he seemed to sort of have the right temperament for that job. But really, he paid for paid for one bad game, didn't he? The Costa Rica game, and clearly in 2014. And at that point, thought, right, I'm, I'm done with this. You know. This is this is enough for me, and and I, I think it wouldn't be the right move to go back to him because I think he's drifted quite a lot as a coach since then. Yeah, I think coaches right. coaches can lose form just like players can lose form, mm-hmm. um, but I think it was a pity that what happened did happen in 2014 because I, I I saw him as 
perhaps a coach for the long term. You know, they weren't going to win that World Cup, were they? But if they got to the quarters, the semis, you know, he then goes into the 2016 campaign with his reputation intact, a desire to bring on some new faces. But um, Conte was always going to be a short-term solution, and, and they're just they're just drifting a bit now. And I mean, it, it, are there any kind of young coaches lower down, Dov? I think Rolando Moran should go quite highly. I mean, would, would they ever look at Dibiagio or? Well, I think well, he's <laughs> apart from apart from, apart from uh, Dibiagio, he's he's been one of the names that's been spoken about. Yeah, but yeah, he's because, been in that job a long time, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. He that, mm. that, he's like they say the federale coaches, the coaches that come mm. through the system, and he's uh, the Southgate option. Yeah, basically. So he, yeah. I, I think that could be an area to go down he's, he's done alright on the 21 level I mean there's a few games yeah. where he's just been terrible and uh, doesn't make changes where changes are clearly there to be made um, and I think he's probably unless Angelotti comes in I, I think you probably mm. see a Dibiagio getting a step up from the under 21s to the OG yeah it'd be lovely if, if Angelotti went in I think it'd be great that it says at the moment he doesn't fancy it but coaches can change their mind from, from minute to minute and especially as generally it's on a two year cycle now isn't it with the mm. Italy job it's been Prandelli was four years but before that you had two years of Lippi two Donadoni two of Lippi before that um so I think yeah, two years of Angelotti take them into the next European Championships because he's so he's he's probably at an age now where he could live without he didn't really have that obsession with day to day working with the players and his his great strength has always been managing players, hasn't it? As much yeah. as coaches them, and it's probably what you need often in, in a national team because mm-hmm. if you get to play for your country, you should have a basic idea of what you're doing, um, and then <laughs> you it's you, so. you know, and a coach did assess them, work out what the best way for them to play is, and and, and do it accordingly. And also, he's, um, I think an important quality for international managers, which which Ventura doesn't really have, is you get immediately an amount of respect from your players because of what you've done in the game mm-hmm. and Ancelotti's won a truckload as, as a player and a coach so you know if yeah. they could maybe Puma will come up with another deal and they'll be able to get him in after the World Cup yeah well, I think I think that would be but, if they can manage that would be probably the best mm-hmm. option I think um, but Ventura's under contract still isn't he Did yeah he, he, signed, he signed an extension to 2020 and so we've got, we've got him for a really uh, real surprise I think it means they have to pay him off now, doesn't it? If if, if wow. the World Cup goes badly, so you'd hope that there'd be some sort of break clause in there if the World Cup did go badly, because it's, it's England did this with um, Fabio Capella before the, the 2010 World Cup, which of course was a nightmare, and they ended up having to pay. You know, he resigned midway through the next campaign. It was all a very messy situation. Um, so yeah, a surprise. Tavecchio hasn't really covered himself in glory as he is as president. Um, that was probably again one of the more interesting decisions that he made. Yeah, no, indeed. But well, I don't think the, con- the con- I can't remember what the contract is, but I can't imagine it'll be uh, anything near what Conte was getting. So uh, no, I'll not cost no. on that. I'll not cost on that much. Um, yeah, I think. I can't think. I think. I think we've covered the Azure uh, yeah. quite well. Get Rolando Moran as the coach. You rely, honestly, Florenzi playing an attack. And that's, yeah, that's it will be need. sorted. I tell you, Rolando Moran <laughs> needs a big job. Everybody talks about uh, all these young coaches and stuff. I think there's a first game. We're going off topic for a minute, but it's just the, mm. the first game of the season. It's Cabo Danese, and I, I went and looked at the average player positions. And you know, you see them. You kind of get like you see like the full back halfway up the pitch yeah. and the strikers and stuff. Cabo's average positions were a formation. 
<laughs> they were literally how you would set out the formation before the game I was literally like yeah. that and I'm like he's just got these guys so well drilled they do yeah. what they're supposed On to do <laughs> and they don't move and I'm just like that, that, that's what we need we need some of that Rolando Moran for the Azuri there we go we'll start the kick off the hashtag kick off yeah. the campaign right this now this is the start of the campaign <laughs> <laughs> there we go well Tom it's been an absolute pleasure um, no for me too really enjoyed it and let, let, let's hope in a couple of weeks time when Italy get, in the, get their playoff opponents and uh, or that's not even a couple of weeks time it's about a week yeah, yeah. A, a few days time Next, when they get their, yeah a few days time when they get their playoff opponents it's somebody easy and they get through and it's all hunky dory and then Ventura becomes some fantastic coach and uh, <laughs> yeah. wins wins the World Cup and we'll all be happy and, let's just hope it's not the Republic of Ireland I've got a really bad feeling if they end up with that draw nil-nil Italy and then Glenn Whelan with a late goal and Dublin Chiellini sent off general wailing and gnashing of teeth just please not Ireland there you go right so we're not not on Ireland I'd rather not Norway <laughs> somebody like Sweden but a better team is when Italy plays better they play to their opponents so a better team would be good for me they do you're absolutely right there we go right everybody that has been our little Azzurri podcast uh, obviously you can follow Tom on Twitter I think is it Tom what yeah at Tom C Standard Tom C Standard there you go so go and check him out he, he, he does rant about the Azzurri on occasion but he does some uh, have Eng- been known to yeah, yeah Eng- <laughs> English football <laughs> stuff as well and if you like cricket he can he can talk about the cricket as well so there you go um, and obviously if you want to follow me it's at Dovskiavone on the Twitter um, and on Facebook as well just type in that and you'll find it as well and you'll get some videos from our editor me and the other guys on Forza Time Football as well so you can do that um, this is the bit where I get to show stuff so We've got a Patreon page. Just again, patreon.com forward slash football. You can donate to us if you want to. And there's also a lovely shop where, given we're talking about the Azuri, you can actually get a mug with Roberto Baggio or Fabio Cannavaro's faces on it in Azuri attire. And they're very, very cool. Um, and the link to that's on on the website. So go to the website and the click on. Shop. Might invest in one of those myself, Tom. I think. Oh, honestly, I I only drink my beverages out of them. No other cup. <laughs> what looking at Cannavaro's face where he's lifting the World Cup? Christmas is, is, sorted. Uh, exactly. There we go. So Christmas is coming up, everybody. Get your jewelry merchandise on ForzaTimeFootball.com. Um, inflatable wavy arm man ad thing as well. Um, and yeah, so that's it for this one. The, the regular guys will be back after the uh, derby uh, the Milan derby at the weekend and obviously you've got Napoli uh, Roma as well so so check that out they do it live on YouTube as well so go on the YouTube channel I think it's about half past 10 or half past 11 European time and you can actually interact with them as well people so go and do that and that's me I've rambled enough so there's nothing else left for me to say apart from I'll be the direction it's so clear then it conclusive what happens next it doesn't matter forget the past it's a tattered is this a dream or some project it's on your tongue you think you got this there's a twist what's the meaning monster to years it's so bleeding L-O-S-E the instruction
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tools. Tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.